And now for part two of our episode with Justice Bernstein. If you haven't listened to part one, go back in your favorite podcast app or on ruralhealthrising.com and listen to that first episode from last week. Today is the continuation of that. So let's jump back in. So can we talk about your personal yes. uh, experience during COVID? How did you? How you can did tell you, I get pretty passionate. Yeah, I love it. I love it though. Yeah. But how did you, Justice Bernstein, process this yourself? You know, you're a strong man, right? You're 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 strong in your faith. Um, you know, how did you process this yourself? What did you do to jump these hurdles? So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something. The, I'm just gonna give you a quick example of how horrific this was, right? And I'm not that kind of person, right? right. Like you have to understand, I'm not that guy, no, you're not. right? No, you're but not. I, I want to emphasize this. So, you know, just to give you a comparison, right? So I was um, a few years back, I had just finished my 17th marathon and I was getting ready for my 18th marathon. And I was in Central Park. I'm a part of a, a running club called Achilles. And it's the greatest organization mm-hmm. ever because it works with severely disabled people and gets us into running, right? It's a phenomenal organization in mm-hmm. every way. And so I was in Central Park and I've memorized as a loop that goes around the park and I've committed to memory. So I can do it without an escort or a guide. Mm-hmm. So I can do the loop kind of independently without assistance. So I'm, I'm very proud of this. So I, I was walking in the pedestrian lane. It was August 13th, gorgeous day, like 85 degrees and sunny. And as I walk in the pedestrian lane, a bicyclist was traveling over 35 miles an hour. He was just going really fast. Mm -hmm. And he hit the park's biggest hill and he lost control and he slammed into my back at 35 miles an hour, right? So I was in the pedestrian lane. He veered into the lane and hit me right in the back. And it was a catastrophic injury. Mm. I mean, this required over 10 weeks of hospitalization at New York's Mount Sinai Hospital. Oh, so this isn't rehab. Goodness. This was hospital. Like yeah. I had to learn how to walk again. Oh, I had to learn how to do all of these. I did not these. know this. Oh yeah, I had to learn how to do everything all over again, mm. right? Because you're talking about a 10 week, forget rehab. This was before rehab. Right. This was 10 weeks of the in hospital. The hospital. In the, that's how intense it was. The reason I'm sharing this with you is because I haven't felt pain like that in my entire life. I've mm. never, I mean, you can imagine 10 weeks of hospitalization, you're dealing with some pretty yes. intense catastrophic yes, injuries. It's not very easy. traumatic. It's pretty traumatic. So the issue is, is, is that I'm sharing that with you because ultimately, as horrible as it was, and I had to learn how to, you know, just do everything all over again, right? And dealing with the pain. And I still feel pain every single day. That's why I exercise a lot. Mm-hmm. Because ironically, I mean, you guys are a healthcare system. I find that with my injuries, the more I'm mobile, the easier it is. Sure. If I mm-hmm. don't exercise, right. I really feel the pain. Feel but it. if I get out and I move, I actually feel better. I mean, the pain's always there. It's mm-hmm. just the way life's going to be. I'm just mm-hmm. used to it. This is how it is. But I remember, you know, people used to come and visit. And I'd always ask them, I'd say, okay, so tell me, like, when you leave Sinai, where are you going to go? And they'd always say in like a rudimentary, mundane way that I was, oh, I'm going to go visit some friends. I'm going to head back to the office. And I always say to them, look, these are the things that people dream about when you're in a hospital. Mm -hmm. These are the things that people Mm -hmm. long for. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, 
life is not about big things. Life is about small things and simple things. It's never the big things. It is always and exclusively the small things. Yeah, you're right. And in my situation, I remember I couldn't use the bathroom. I couldn't take a shower. And I would writhe in pain like all night. Mm -hmm. But the reason I share that is because ultimately, you know, I'm going to share this story because it just goes to my faith. As I worked through this with a lot of help from a lot of people, I remember with a lot of energy and passion and strength, I was able to kind of start moving my legs I was able to start using a walker, and I was able to find my way to the end of the ward to visit the nurse's station on my hmm. own. Mm. But then, after I got released from the hospital, I said to myself, okay, I mean, these injuries are going to be long-lasting, but it was time for the New York City Marathon. And... It and and you know it wasn't probably one of my smartest ideas, but I just didn't care. And as we ran through the streets of New York, as we crossed the 59th Street Bridge and started running up First Avenue at mile 18, the pain was becoming so severe. I mean, it was becoming so intensive that I remember reaching up to the Creator and praying. And I said, I said, dear Lord, I said, dear, I said, please, I said, let me have this. I'm at mile 18. I'm on First Avenue. Let me be able to cross the finish line. Let me have this moment. Let me be able to do this. And I remember all of us are going to have this experience in our life. Either we've had it or we will have it. But you can feel the battle that exists <laughs> within yeah, your soul. Absolutely. And I could feel it. There was a battle that was raging. You could sense the that you could sense the lightning and the wind. You could feel the thunder. And I, I I really go into this because all of us have this moment with God where you're just angry and you're furious and you're just enraged. But then what happens is you find ultimately what it is that I think we're all looking for. <laughs> you find a level of peace. You find peace with your new body. Yeah. You find peace with your new circumstance. You find peace with your new life. Mm -hmm. And for me, I was able to find my peace with God. Hmm. Why do I share that story with you when you ask about the COVID restrictions? Yeah. The challenges and the physical pain that I had in the hospital were less difficult than the isolation that the COVID restrictions brought upon. Wow. Because mm -hmm. in the hospital, and when you're running a marathon, you're doing these things, what are you doing? You're with a team. You're mm -hmm. with people. True. They are with you. So even though you have this immense physical pain, the fact that you're not alone, basically you feel that that gives you the energy to survive mm -hmm. and to move forward. The absolute pain of isolation. I'm just telling you, as a guy who has gone through physical pain and then isolative pain that the COVID restrictions brought to bear, the isolation of COVID restrictions was far worse. And that's a pretty profound, just think about that's what I'm saying. Statement. Right? right? Like, I don't yeah. want to like, mean, gloss over that, right? huge. The isolation for me was far more difficult huh. than the physical challenges that I had after going through a catastrophic injury. And, and, I, and, I, and I think that that, that, powerful comparison. that bears some reflection, right? Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, how was my day, right? Because what was my day like, right? You know, mm -hmm. my fiance, she 
finally, his, she now lives here in Michigan. So I'm very excited about that. So she lives <laughs> here in our state. And I'm very excited Congrats, that she's moved here. Well, thank you. I'm so excited that Vanya lives here. Yeah. But the fact is that before, but during COVID, Vanya didn't live here. She lived in New York. Yeah. So before, you know, well, she was in New York and I was here. I was by myself. Right now mm-hmm. she's here. So life is good. Right. But during COVID, she was in New York. And let's look at all the things that they, they, they restrict. You couldn't travel. You couldn't go places. You couldn't do things. And this is something that nobody really thought about. Right. Because why would you, again, people make their choices. Right. Mm-hmm. For me, what ultimately and again, this is not like a I don't want this to be. I just want people to learn from this. Right. right? I, I mean, it's an I'm opportunity not looking, to learn right, to learn. I'm not like, you no. know, we all have our woes and our right, challenges. Right, right. I don't want people to think of that way. No. But I want to tell you something. We're back, baby. And yeah. he's, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I love it. As far as I'm concerned is, is that this is the kind of thing that can never happen again. Never. People make their decisions. You live your life mm-hmm. and you do what's in the interests of yourself and your family. But you make your decisions. The government doesn't tell you where you can go and what you can do, because in this situation, a lot of things got overlooked. A lot of Mm -hmm. things. Right. How does a blind person get food? Let's just talk about that. Right. Let's talk about that. So basically what happened in my situation was if you shut down Uber, how do I go places? Mm -hmm. Right. Again, it's 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 a risk assessment that I have to make as a blind person who, again, is sensitive and appreciative of risk, it's a risk assessment that I have to make, right? Mm -hmm. And ultimately, people that are out in the community or out in society, they will make their own risk assessments as to what works for them. Mm -hmm. And I remember my very good friend, Bushra, who's here in the studio today, she and I would travel around the state and we would go to all the different police stations and we would drop off food and we would drop off protective gear and we'd drop off sanitizer. Is that right? Because yes, because the police officers were basically, you know, out on patrol, out doing the work that they had to do, but, you know, they were getting forgotten. People weren't focusing on the fact that, you know, these police officers were basically having to work without protective gear. Yes. Or, mm-hmm. And so we would bring them food. We bring them That's pizza. Incredible. We bring them dinners. We would do that kind of stuff so that basically, you know, just so they knew that they weren't being forgotten. Right. But, but, but I loved it because it was my chance to interact with people mm-hmm. and to be with people. And, and the thing is, is, is that what happened in this situation, which, which is really upsetting and really infuriating, was for someone like myself who was living by himself in his apartment, I think there was about a month that, or maybe two months, I didn't have any human contact. Mm. Think about that, Mm. right? You're living by yourself, you're blind, and you're not having any contact with other people. And then everyone's like, oh, well, why don't we just do Zoom? Well, guess what? I can't really do Zoom. And so the way it would work for me is, is, is that I would ask, you know, well, can we just do it by phone? Right. Because I couldn't really use Zoom. Right. So I wasn't really participating in a lot of things because ultimately, if you couldn't do Zoom, you you couldn't have a meeting. You couldn't mm-hmm. have interactions. Yeah. You couldn't be a part of things. So so ultimately, you know, we had to work out a system. It was just it was just it was just unbelievable. But but right? you're a Supreme <laughs> Court justice. And How imagine- in the world? You know, can you do your work if you can't physically be there? And you struggled with it because you can't access Zoom. Exactly. But you're making decisions oh, that impact just, people's lives. Oh, absolutely. Organizations just, and corporations. Because everybody was like, well, let's just be on Zoom. 
right? Let's just right. be on Zoom. Right. And As if what, it was that easy. If it was that easy. And then the general consensus was, and basically the overall consensus was, well, we're just going to do it this way. And that's just too bad, right? Wow. That was the overall wow. way. So you overlooked. It wasn't right. just that. It was. It was just no. It was just this notion that society has kind of or or we the can powers, dismiss it. What the powers that be basically decided that COVID is going to override everything, mm-hmm. right? So because of COVID, this is now going to be the override. That mm-hmm. COVID is is an override for anything yeah. at this point, mm-hmm. right? For whatever it is, COVID is the reason why we're not going to meet in person. COVID is the reason right. why we're not going to come into work. COVID it has is become the reason, uh, quite a crutch. Yes, it's the mm-hmm. reason why we're not going to do something. So if somebody like myself says, well, listen, I'd like to participate. I'd like to be a part of this. Right. You know, I, you know, they, the response back would be, well, because of COVID restrictions, you know, we're sorry, but this is just the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So the way that they would, the way that we would do things is literally is, is that you, you would see the you would see the court and you would see like the six justices on Zoom and then you would see me like it would just be by cell phone mm. right so what they mm-hmm. would do is they would have they would I would have a cell phone and they would basically put the cell phone next to the computer hmm. right so wow. so what happened is like you would all be on Zoom let's say you're having a meeting right you would all be on Zoom I would be on the cell phone and then the cell phone would just be placed next to the computer. Hmm. So ultimately what would happen is, is that I would have to listen through on the cell. So my cell phone I would have in my living room. Yeah. And then I would basically have the cell, the cell phone on the other end would just be next to a computer. Yeah. So I'd have to listen through the computer, through the computer. to the cell yeah. phone. Yeah. And, and but, the, but the problem was is that you couldn't communicate equally. Because mm-hmm. it didn't work. Delays. You know what I'm right. right. It, no, because what would happen is that they'd have to, because of the, the interference, because yeah. they'd have to mute you. Ugh. So, like, if you had something that you wanted to share, you had to be unmuted. But they'd only unmute you at certain times. So this is how it was. I mean, society for someone like wow. me who craves people, who loves mm-hmm. being in person, who does yeah. all this kind of stuff, yeah. to do the things that I love to do, do the things that I want to be a participant in, yeah. it was unbelievably complicated and literally remarkable in in just mm-hmm. the logistical feat that we had to go through yeah. just to participate in a basic meeting or a basic hearing that mm-hmm. I could ultimately participate yeah. on an equal fashion. Sure. And I'm just going to tell you something, never again yeah. is this going to happen, right? Never again. Yeah. I'm just going to be very mm-hmm. clear about this. Again, I can't be partial because we might have cases that will come in front of us or this and that. I just want to be very clear for the record. I'm not speaking about any specific case. Right. I'm not speaking about any specific litigation. I'm not speaking about anything that's coming before the court. But what I am speaking about is my own general belief mm-hmm. as it pertained to my own personal, personal life yeah. experiences, yeah. right? I'm not speaking mm-hmm. about cases. I'm yeah. not speaking about litigation. I'm not speaking about anything that is coming before the court. What I am speaking about as a human being mm-hmm. who is blind, I am speaking about my personal life experiences and through those life experiences, even though I'm a judge, I have the right to my opinions, right? Right. No one can take that away from me. So I am just speaking as to my personal life experiences and how I am going to use those life experiences to fight 
to recreate the life that we are all supposed to live and that we're mm-hmm. all supposed to have. And it you're doing a critical. fantastic job in advocacy. I want you to know oh, that. I am just, I and am really, this is important. It is important. <laughs> You've lived your life to the fullest after COVID restrictions because you're not letting anything pass you by, including <laughs> the fact that you probably don't have to call an Uber anymore because I understand, Justice Bernstein, you actually drove for the first time <laughs> in your life. I sure did. And you had the sheriff <laughs> right next to you. Is that right? Tell so, us about that so experience. So I got to tell you something. So here's the thing is, is that after COVID, right, yeah. we got to make up for lost time. You are. That's it. And every, you did. Let me tell you something. Every day has to count. <laughs> sure does. Every day has to be meaningful. But I want to say, from my own personal situation yeah. or my own personal situation, no cases, nothing like that. I know I'm being OCD, but I got to say it. You do. I'm going to tell you something. There is no way, no way I would ever allow or I will fight till the end if they even think for a second about having a restriction mm-hmm. or a mask mm-hmm. or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. No way, right? No way. I don't want to hear about it. People, you know, we're at a point now where you can, you, you, you know what works best for you. I know what works best for me. Right. And I'm going to go out there and I'm going to live my life. And I'm encouraging people to go out and live their lives and you as are. well. And, and again, and again. If you have a concern about it, by all means, take those necessary measures. But if you don't, and if you want to live like me and you want to make sure that you want to make up for lost time, and, you know, God only gives us so many days, months, and years. That's right. As far as I'm concerned, I am going to maximize this (laughs) to the absolute From sunrise until sunup, I am going to be outside. I am going to be exercising. I want my running club back. I want all of it. Everything. You know what? There's 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 a... there's a saying that I love to say, and you know what that is? What is we're it? back, baby. Yeah. And we are back, baby. And I'm going to tell you something. When we're back, we're not changing. We yeah. are back, baby. And I'm going to tell you something. That is the way it's going to be, and that is how it's going to be. And again, at a certain point, I get really worked up about this. You cannot, you know, it, it's enough. It's just right. enough. Right. And 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 and, and at, at this point, like as far as I'm concerned, I am gonna I'm gonna move on. Right. I encourage anyone that feels the same way that I do to move on as yeah. well and really focus on living your life and experiencing your life and making up for this so that you can say, Oh my God, I lost two years, but you know what? Today, I was able to at least build in a week and just really focus on on reclaiming your life and reclaiming mm-hmm. that lost time. But yes, I did drive a car you because did. it was the one thing I had always wanted to do. Right. And one of my absolute best friends is Sheriff Swanson, yeah. who is the coolest guy <laughs> that you're ever going to meet. Because Sheriff Swanson is, without question, he is just the absolute coolest guy. And I said to the sheriff, I said, Sheriff, the one thing I have always wanted to do is I have always wanted to drive a vehicle. I've always wanted to. It's yeah. been my dream, right? Yeah. Because this is, look, doing an Ironman doing marathons, doing all those other things. Oh, those are just little things, well, but, right? Oh, they, yeah, you know, they, just that. But they yeah. don't— I wrote an email this morning, and I feel accomplished, okay? But they, but they don't require, like, a lot of logistics, right? Oh, like, you have a— a lot a, of work. A, a wonderful team. You have people you train with, but it doesn't require the logistics. And Sheriff Swanson is the one guy that if, if, 
if, if, if you say to him, this is my dream, he is the one guy that can totally make it happen. Yeah. Like he's the one guy that you're like, okay, this guy can make yeah. it happen. And he and, did. And he did. So the best part was he was able to find a car. We went to the Genesee County Fair. Yeah. And the car basically was spray painted. It said blind justice on the outside, no which is my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. Now, you have to understand, I have never driven a vehicle. Like, I've never operated a vehicle yeah. before. Yeah. So this was really a unique situation situation yeah. because ultimately what happens is when you when you're driving a vehicle and you've never operated a vehicle before you have no idea what you're doing. Right. So the sheriff, <laughs> you know, basically was sitting next to me, but we use the same commands that you would use for the marathon and the Ironman. Hard right, soft right, hard left, soft mm-hmm. left, hard, soft. Uh, and you would, uh, then if you want to use for the pedals, he would say right foot down, left foot down, hard right down, soft right down mm-hmm. for the gas and for the brakes. I don't mm-hmm. know where the gas and the brakes are. That's true. But the funniest part was, the craziest part was, is, is that if you've never driven before, you don't have experience so you don't know like when you think about it I don't know how to use a gas pedal so you don't know how to do it you don't know how to Mm -hmm. tap it so what happens is your initial inclination is when he says right foot down you just put your foot all the way down it's just what you do (laughs) because I've never done it before so I don't know so basically I just put you know you just put your foot down and it was so cool (laughs) because he's like you know he's the sheriff so he knows he knows how to to handle it but the thing is is that I and he was like okay he'd be like left foot which is the brake. But keep this in mind, I don't know how to use a brake. So when you hit the left foot down, the you just hit it all the way down. So like the car would just like come to this like screeching halt. It was so cool. <laughs> like honestly, now my favorite part of the entire thing, yeah. this is my favorite part because it was right, so much it. fun. Let's hear it. Come was on. at the end of the drive, the sheriff came around to, to the driver's side and he said, Justice. I want your license, and I want your (laughs) registration, and I want your proof of insurance. Uh, And I got to use my favorite line. I said, Sheriff, I have one thing to say to you. And he said, what's that? I said, Sheriff, you just got some blind justice. (laughs) (laughs) You just got some blind justice. That is my favorite line ever. And then the the best part is, is, is that, um, I was asked, so why is this the first time you've ever driven? Yeah. And I said, because it's insane. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then my even my favorite part was, is I said, well, I want to send a message to Secretary of State. I want her to know that I am now ready for my <laughs> license. You passed the road <laughs> test. Fact, the sheriff and I, I think, the sheriff is kind enough that I think he and I are going to go into the Secretary <laughs> well, of State and ask for my license because he's going to certify that I passed the field test. But just to make it authentic, I'm going to wear like a, a race car driver oh, uniform go. with my helmet. <laughs> there you go. And then That's like awesome. walk into the Secretary of State and go, I'm here for That's my license. Awesome. That's and I'm, awesome. you know what? I got to tell you something. The greatest thing about Sheriff Swanson is, is that if you have a dream, he's going to make it happen. Yeah. So I have a feeling there could be some other things in store. Good so, for you. you know we why? won't ruin that. I yet. gotta tell you something because honestly, I haven't had this much fun. Yeah. I have never had this much fun in my yeah. entire life. But you have to realize it's like scent of a woman. Remember with um Al Pacino when yeah. he was blind and he would just he was driving a Ferrari and he would like turn like oh, he yeah. would, it was like every blind person has that dream. That dream. And it finally yeah. became a reality. And you know what? I shared some other dreams with the sheriff. Yeah. And honestly, we'll see what comes true. let's see, we'll what, see happens. what happens. But I gotta tell you something, it all goes back to the fact that we're back. 
baby. Yes, we, we are. We are back. And that's, that's awesome. what it's all about. And what's exciting, uh, Justice Bernstein, is that you're back and oh, that your passion you. uh, is second to none. Your purpose in life is well articulated in the stories that you told today. I am extremely proud of the work that you've done, not only on the bench, uh, but for your advocacy work to those in need. So on behalf of Hillsdale Hospital, Rural Health Rising, Rachel and myself, we say thank you for the work that you've done to bring this awareness. Now, what I want to challenge you with Tell me. is you're, you and I are going to get together and we're going to have a summit. Yes. And we're going to invite people from throughout the state of Michigan to talk about this very issue and to talk about the loss of life that occurred and talk about how we can move from this place to ensure that this doesn't happen again, that those who need a special touch, those who need a special word will receive it in the future. And so I'm excited about the work that we're going to do together. Are you committed? Oh, totally. All right. Can I just tell you something? Yeah. Like I say, in person is in person. <laughs> That's right. That's what I said. <laughs> and you we're going to be there. In person is in person. And, and here's the other there. thing. I want it packed. I want tons <laughs> it's of gonna people. Be. It's going to be. And, and if I find out there's any COVID restrictions, there's going to be trouble. All right, Justice. <laughs> All right, Justice Bertsey. We're going to work on that. But I, I want to thank you today. I'm so excited. I want it packed, though. It's going to be packed. tons of people. And, and again, if there are people that have concerns, you can take whatever precautions you want to take. We're yeah. totally fine with that. That's right. No problem. I just want to be very clear. I'm not. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, Justice Bernstein, we could talk for hours, and we just want to thank you for your work and your commitment and for joining us today on Rural Health Rising. We wish you the best and the thank most you. successful opportunities to spread this message of hope and of healing to our community. And you're thank not just you. doing it in Michigan. You're doing this across the country. You're you're flying uh, to places and driving to places to spread this good news. And I want to encourage you to continue the great work. So thank you for joining us today on Rural Health Rising. Thank you. And we'll see everybody here at Hillsdale College. And hospital. That's right. <laughs> God bless you all. All right, sir. Thank you so much for joining us today. Before we close, Justice Bernstein, we'd like to do a fun segment with each of our guests. And we want to know, what is your most rural experience or one of your favorite memories that is unique to rural life? Well, I have to say, I usually spend, uh, I try to go to the UP here in Michigan. Oh, yes. And I, you know, before COVID, I would go three times a year to the Upper Peninsula. Oh, wow. And I know it's a fun question, but the reason it's important is because what's critical is for rural environments, you know, in my situation, you know, as a Supreme Court justice, we're making funding decisions that affect the court system for that community, right? Mm -hmm. It's actually Absolutely. kind of a serious thing, it right? Like, serious. Yeah. So basically, like, you know, ultimately what happens, especially here in Michigan, is so often is the case that, that our friends and our neighbors in the Upper Peninsula, you know, you're making decisions in Lansing as it pertains to their funding models yeah. for their court systems. And often is the case that, you know, their voice isn't being heard. Right. Because sure. they're not being represented. Sure. And so when you're dealing with funding allocations, especially for judges in the rural counties, what happens is, is that so often a lot of the funding tends to go to the more urban areas mm -hmm. because people think, oh, it's rural. So, you know, why, you know, why do they need an extra judge? You know, mm -hmm. why do they need these extra resources? But in reality, when you actually spend time in the Upper Peninsula, yeah. you come to realize is that those judges are busier than ever. They are busy. Right. Mm -hmm. Those judges have huge backlogs. Huge so dockets. I would love going, you know, I basically before. Before COVID, I would go to the UP uh, three times every year. That's incredible. And I loved it. Love it, love it, love it. So this year, I finally, because 
COVID is over and we are back, baby. (laughs) I finally, just about a week ago, got to spend a week in the Upper Peninsula, just like a week ago. And I was up there. Oh, it was fabulous. So so for you, where is is that? Where is that? Oh, God, when I go to the UP, I cover, well, you got to cover the circuit. So you start off usually in Marquette, then you go over to the Sioux, then you go to Escanaba, then you go to Houghton. I mean, usually what you'll do is you'll go Marquette over to Houghton, and then Houghton over to Escanaba, and then Escanaba. We love it up north, too. Our our son goes to uh, Sault Ste. Marie. Uh, oh, it's college. fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. You usually cover, you know, you'll, you'll, you know, and then you'll cover like Iron Mountain and then you'll yeah. head back to Marquette. Yeah. So you kind of do the, you kind of do the Grand Circuit. Yeah. I just, I love it up there. And I'm going to tell you something. The reason that I love rural areas, I just love it. I love it yeah. is because it's, it's the things that we were talking about at Hillsdale. It's the people. The people are so friendly. They They're are. so, you know what I love about it is, is that it's the same thing I love Hillsdale is when you go out and you're blind, people will always ask if they can help you. Always. Yeah, yeah. I, it doesn't matter. Like, it's wonderful. Yeah, some great folks Oh, up my there. God. People will always ask, hey, what can I do to help yeah. you? Where are you? And they'll take you somewhere. Like, if you say to them, oh, I'm, I'm looking for the Fairfield Inn, they'll be like, oh, well, let me take you there. Right. Like, that's how great people yeah. are. Like, they it's will, a human never, connection. They will yeah. never let you be alone. They'll help you cross the street. But you know what the best part is? Tell me. You'll never walk by someone who doesn't say hi to you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that the coolest thing? But if you say hi, like, in the big city to people, they, they they're what's wrong like, with what's, you? What, yeah, what's like, up with that? Yeah. What I love about like you know the UP is that you'll never walk by someone who doesn't give you a greeting. Sure, and I. It's incredible. That. I just love yeah. that. It's such a wonderful way to live. It it's is. such a great. It's such yeah. a. It's such a great way to be. I mean, it was so blessed. Like, like I say, is is that it just allows you to realize the good in people yeah. and the kindness of people yeah. and the yeah. warmth of people. It's a wonderful life. Well, to my new best friend, oh, uh, yeah. Justice you. Bernstein. I always say to people, it helps not to know me because once you know me, it it's all infectious. goes downhill. It's infectious. <laughs> again, thank you for sharing your thank experiences you. and, and the work that you're doing. Again, we thank you for that. And uh, may God, Richard, bless you. Next time on Rural Health Rising, we'll have another great conversation with another great guest. So be sure to tune in. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. And you can now find us on Twitter. I'm at Hillsdale CEO JJ. Rachel is at Rural Health Rach. And you can also follow the podcast at Rural Health Pod. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, and a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. Hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. Special thanks to today's guest, Justice Richard Bernstein of the Michigan Supreme Court. For more episodes, interviews, and more information, visit ruralhealthrising.com.